Hi there. Welcome to another edition of Making Money. Ron Hebert, the financial coach, joins us, retired portfolio manager, which means he looked after people's finances, friends. And I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron and I have known each other for decades. We both have a passion for investing. We want to talk about a topic this time around, Ron, that's very near and dear to my heart and to your heart. You, you've spent the bulk of your career in Alberta. I've spent the bulk of my career in Alberta. Oil and gas is, you know, I've, I've said to people, I wouldn't have what I have today were it not for oil and gas. Even though I was not involved in the business, but as a broadcaster, all the ancillary business that's supported by oil and gas in this province made such an impact on people's lives. It had an impact on the type of income they were able to earn. It had an impact on on the value of real estate in this province. It was an enormous driver to wealth in this province, even if you weren't directly employed. Uh, if you were a shareholder, um, often there were periods of time where you were rewarded very, very well by owning shares in a publicly traded or even a private company. And so oil and gas, we want to talk about because, frankly, it's our species. And, and many Albertans especially, that has always been one of their favorite investments to put in to their uh, retirement savings account. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at the five drivers that are pushing oil prices up. Then we're going to take a look at the two drivers that could push prices down. And then we'll take a look at two scenarios. How do you invest if oil prices, in, or if you think that prices are going higher? And what should you do if you think that oil prices are headed lower? So we should be able to give you a very comprehensive strategy. And that's what we like to do on making money is take a sector, dissect it, and then show you how to invest in it. And, you know, your view can be different than mine, but you've got to think that it's either prices are going up or prices are going down. And if prices are going up or staying high, then there's things you should do. And if prices are going down, and why would prices go up or down? You know all these things, and you just become an educated investor before you make the purchase. Okay, so let's talk about the lack of drilling. Uh, my impression is that drilling is up a little bit, but it's not what it used to be. No, oil companies typically overextend themselves uh, during the last boom and made acquisitions when prices were high. These high-priced purchases didn't turn out to be very profitable, and when oil prices fell, shareholders were punished because not only did earnings go down, but dividends, which many oil companies paid very good dividends, they were cut and as a result, share prices were slaughtered. Nowadays, managements are focused on consistent profitability, and to do that, they can't make overpriced acquisitions. So they're very disciplined with their in exploration and their drilling capital, and this means that they've kept a very, very tight rein on exploration expenses, and this lack of new supply has helped push prices up. Okay, demand increase. Well, you know, as I've uh, alluded to last week, uh, you know, awfully cold here. Uh, gas, I think, has, has kept a lot of people warm. There's obviously been a big demand for it. We know what's been happening over in Europe, for instance. Uh, what's your take there? Well, demand for crude is expected to exceed pre-COVID levels in 2022. So much for uh, all the savings people were supposed to get by moving to electric vehicles. 
Yet OPEC Plus has only modestly increased oil production. I mean, they're planning another increase of about 400,000 barrels a day. And the cartel is stacking really closely uh, to their quota increases. And to be honest with you, Gord, I never, ever thought in history I would see OPEC be disciplined, where they're actually uh, sticking to their quotas because they used to cheat all the time. I think you remember that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They'd open the taps when it was convenient and turn them off when it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so they'd stab each other in the back, and they they uh, they weren't truthful about how much they were actually producing. And so a lot of times, uh, when prices got high, they'd open the taps up, they'd flood the market, and prices would come right back down. And OPEC has figured that they like higher prices, which are helping to fill government coffers, which have been exhausted from years of low prices. This means that there will be uh, an actual production deficit or supply increases from the oil cartel likely just won't keep up with growth and demand, and that also means higher prices. Government restrictions. Oh, boy, aren't there a lot of those? Oh, I mean, when you you look at uh, um, governments, uh, you know, restricting a new oil sands development, which they say isn't going to happen, and um, we're, we've got a show on... Uh, carbon credits and and what it's going to cost to be polluter if you're a polluter and you put uh, carbon dioxide into the atmosphere it's going to get very expensive so western governments and their push to go green have put new rules in place making it very difficult for companies to explore and drill and here again you drill less you explore less you produce less and that leads to lower supply and What's happened with government restrictions leads to the next one. It's it's the lack of capital, the lack of investment opportunity, right? This one has been amazing to me because many uh, big investment institutions have have simply said, we're getting out of energy production entirely that's focused on fossil fuels. And, of course, uh, our former bank, uh, head of our uh, Bank of Canada, Mark Carney, uh, he's coming up with a program that will that the banks and the insurance companies have signed onto, where excess polluters um, they're not going to lend them money or they're not going to insure them, which means that you know energy companies are going to be starved for capital. If they don't have the capital to drill, here again, it's just another factor that leads to lower supply. Green strategy, um, I think incoherence a, a generous term. I see no plan there whatsoever. I, I, I just, it's to me, it's pie in the sky stuff right now. You know, this has led to shortages, brown and blackouts, lines at gas stations. I mean, it's led to the president of the United States begging other countries to increase oil production while crushing suppliers in their own country. I mean, uh, I never thought I would see the day when Biden talks about putting restrictions on Russia for all the uh, bad things that they've done. And on one hand, you know, coming up with a tough guy image. On the other hand, on the East Coast now, they're getting literally a million barrels of oil a day from Russia because the country isn't producing enough of their own and they're squelching off supply from Canada. So they're getting um, energy from some of their biggest enemies. Europe has done the same. Uh, they're going to end up getting more natural gas from Russia. Canadian imports from Middle East and Nigeria. You know, it's it's just it's crazy right now. And and I don't think 
this is going to get any better for a long periods of time. And of course, you look at the golden voice, you look at, oh, you look at Ontario, you look at California, which are the, in Texas, which are the three golden boys right now uh, that investors love because they've been the most aggressive trying to con- convert from a fossil fuel economy to a renewable economy. And the brownouts and the blackouts, I mean, they just don't believe in getting base energy production, which needs to come from from coal or natural gas or oil, because, frankly, the sun doesn't always shine, and the wind doesn't always blow, and when it doesn't, you end up with problems, especially in areas like California, where you've got infrastructure problems anyway. So you go through energy shortages, you go through blackouts, you go through brownouts, uh, businesses not that are industrial not being able to turn their factories on in the morning because they've been starved. You know, it's it's crazy, and there is no coherent plan, it seems, to make the transition. It's just opportunistic. Let's do a little bit of this. Let's do a little bit of that. Let's throw a subsidy in here so we get some votes. And unless there's a long-term plan, it means that things are going to be very volatile. And people in government wonder why the public is losing their faith in them. And there's example one right there. Uh, yeah. Make a plan that makes sense and stick to it. Don't make it up as you go along. Good Lord. Yeah. So, you know, so we've got the five things that could drive energy prices higher or keep them high for a considerable period of time. There's also some risks to oil prices. And they both uh, focus on an economic slowdown. Now, whether we get a new strain of COVID that leads to more lockdowns or we end up with rising interest rates or governments just blowing their brains out, spending too much money, this could lead to a recession. And we have a recession. People draw their horns in. uh, They spend less money. Factories produce less goods means using less energy, use less energy, prices typically go down. So those are the two main risks to oil prices right now. So now if you think prices are going to go higher, what should your strategy be here? I think if prices are going higher, you want to look at buying oil companies that haven't hedged or pre-sold a large portion of their future production at lower prices. So typically what happens when uh, if prices are low this year but prices are higher next year, you sell a contract, usually a futures contract, where, you know, if oil's at $30 and you can get $40 for it next year, you sell your production forward. But if oil goes to $60, well, you're locked into all these contracts you made to sell oil a lot cheaper. So if oil prices stay high, you want to own companies that haven't sold forward production at lower prices. And just a couple examples of companies that are unhedged or aren't selling their production forward. So if prices continue to go up or stay high, they take full advantage of it. One would be uh, ConocoPhillips and the other Occidental Petroleum. And there's lots of examples of this. I'm just uh, including two names for you here so you understand what I'm talking about. Okay, now, the, the reverse of that coin is what if prices start to go down? What do we do there? Well, uh, the easy thing is, is uh, get out of your oil stocks entirely or dramatically reduce your positions, number one. So if, you, if oil prices are going back down to 30 or $40 uh, a barrel and they're being priced at those levels, you probably just want to say goodbye because oil is very cyclical business. But if oil prices go down and there's a lot more 
supply, the companies that benefit from extra supply are the uh, pipelines. Pipelines don't care what the price is. If you have a barrel oil or uh, an MCF of gas, they charge by volume. So if volume increases, they love it. So if prices stay low, uh, one thing you can do if you still want some exposure to the sector and get good dividends with reasonable prices to boot is own some of the major pipelines. Yeah, they keep moving it. If the prices are lower, there's more of it going through there, right? It's uh, just that simple. All right. Well, a very complex area, but as you say, one that's near and dear to the hearts of many Albertans, especially during RSP season. So we're giving you a strategy here. Uh, as we always say, do some thinking, do some planning, do a little bit of research. Then you're set to go, correct, Ron? Absolutely. We're back next week to take a look at an area that, uh, well, we've all had some influence on this, I suppose, or some impact from it. That's the defense industry. For those of us that have been around for a couple of days, <laughs> we've seen a lot of this particular industry. We'll be back to take another look at it in more detail next week. If you have a show suggestion or a question, remember you can send it to us at letsmakemoney.ca. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. We'll talk with you next week. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.